you can't wait another minute. You can't put it off another day. Your life is too valuable to forfeit your destiny. So let's start something new. Now, <laughs> let's go. When we are bitten by life unexpectedly, it can often cause damage beyond recognition. And the truth of the matter today is that many of us are living our lives out of the eye. Didn't see that coming experience. The perspective says no. Your faith will say that God is still fighting for me. That when your perspective tries to convince you that you are down and out, your faith will remind you that it is God who has all power in his hands, who is still working things for you. Say it again. The assertion of the fact that mercy is present means this, y'all. Without the existence of mercy, that would be different meaning if mercy wasn't present it would be another way but Jeremiah says that because of the Lord's mercies which now means that we have to shift our outlook and it has to be Hey, 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 what's up, everybody? It's your girl, Marissa Farrell here, and welcome into another week of the Your Next Now podcast. I am uh, super excited today to uh, get started chatting with you guys. Hope you guys are doing good out there. Um, Thank you guys for listening in, and most of all, thank you guys for sharing the podcast, sharing on your pages, sharing... um, inspiring excerpts or sound bites that have touched you and most of all thank you guys for hitting that review button below if you're on the apple or spotify platforms um we can definitely use and uh, appreciate all the reviews that you guys leave because it helps us to rank uh in the future so other people can see our podcast and be blessed by the same things that you guys are blessed by so um this week it's just me no guests this week but I do have some exciting guests coming up and you guys know that um when I have mentioned those things before we have always had great great guests last week we had the amazing Sophia Ruffin so if you have not checked that one out it has been healing for a lot of people deliverance for a lot of people so uh, a lot of people were blessed by it and I think you should totally check it out so that you can hopefully find some inspiration there but um hope you guys are doing well out there hope you guys are enjoying your families and your husbands and your maybe your wives or your girlfriends and your boyfriends and your children whoever is listening man woman boy or girl welcome and hope you guys are having a great week um i'm having a good week so far things have been really really great i'm excited because this week i feel super disciplined getting back to um, my routine in the gym. I'll be there a little later today Um, and just kind of making sure that I keep everything on track. And that is so uh, important to me, just being able to maintain a schedule and and a flow of things. I even bought like some to-do calendars and stuff, y'all, because I got to stay on track. Like, are y'all, is that y'all? Like, if I don't like write it down, my day is going to be so either occupied by doing any and everything else or doing absolutely nothing at all and that is like the worst so I've gotten back into this routine thing getting up early in the morning 7 7 30 posting my online prayer every day um, spending time actually praying before I'm sharing those things with you guys studying which has just been amazing um, getting ready for the inspired women's book club if y'all are not familiar with that I 
think that we may start a cycle too um, because I have some overflow registrants who wanted to get in, but we didn't want to push the date back for those who already joined. So um, that may be an opportunity coming up. But yeah, I'm finding that I have to get back in this flow and it's it's really feeling good because I feel like I'm finally, you know, on track and it's so easy, I think, to get thrown off and that could be like a whole nother podcast in and of itself, but it's so easy to just get thrown off. And I think the enemy like utilizes um, the spirit of procrastination and the spirit of just delay and distraction to try to throw us off of those things that we know we need to be disciplined every day but that's a whole nother topic for a whole nother day so anyway that's what's up with me this week I'm just you know getting back into a routine feeling really good about that um this week if you're listening today you should be getting online today and tomorrow especially if you are a woman well only if you're a woman um or if you're a guy who knows some women in your life who could use it woman not lose 2022 the finale the homecoming uh event that's happening September the 21st through the 24th at the Georgia World Congress Center with Bishop T. Jakes. It is sold out completely for in-person registrants. So if you have not registered, you cannot come at this point. Um, but you can get on an amazing virtual experience, and I'm sure that their virtual experience will be really, really fun and really creative and innovative. I mean, it's Bishop Jakes. We all know that he is one of the um, most innovative people of our time. And so um, you can totally go online to my WTL. I think it's conference.org, but just Google my woman without lose conference. And I'm sure the link will come up. Get registered for the virtual experience. It's going to be an amazing, amazing time. So um, kind of back to what I was talking about um, earlier, um, just getting back on track. That is just such a big thing. And that actually leads me into the topic for this week, um, which is the road to recovery. Um, getting back on track for me was a big deal. I talked to you guys earlier this season about just how I felt for a long time, like being thrown off by so much that was going on between my dad with his cancer diagnosis, my mom who was diagnosed with Parkinson's last year, um, coming out of the pandemic, refinding myself in ministry post-pandemic or, you know, kind of processing post-pandemic. I don't necessarily know what stage we're in yet because, you know, people still walking around like COVID don't exist, but um, I know people still get it every day. Um and, you know, just the transitions, my pastor's retiring and in about two years, my dad is, uh, he's 81 this year and just kind of figuring out where Marissa would land in this process was very, very scary for me. It was like, you know, before I knew it, and that's what happens when you kind of get thrown off by life. It's such a, <clears throat> I think a low key experience, I guess is what I would say. It's like, it's something that just kind of creeps up on you before you know it, you're losing your patterns and you're not as disciplined as you used to be. And you're not doing um, the routines that you maybe used to have. And you're not necessarily giving a focus that you used to have to certain things. And, you know, it that's kind of how it happens. And so, you know, when you get to that place in life, it throws you off. And that's how I came up with this conversation um, that was kind of to myself, but I'm going to share it with you guys um, <clears throat> about recovering, excuse me. So, you know, when I was dealing with the, the topic for today and just kind of wrapping my mind around what we should be discussing today and what people need to hear, the first thing that I felt like I needed to share with people was understanding that it is the nature of humanity to um, experience something in your life that you are bound to have to recover from. Like, I mean, that's just the, the natural flow of humanity. Nobody is ever going to just have it all together, always be in a position that that is, 
you know, perfect, I guess, for lack of better terms, or just completely solid, right? Like, you know, we look to kind of be solid and our lives be consistent, you know, have all these different things going on. But at the end of the day, you are going to run into a, a experience and a time in your life that is going to cause you to understand that you need to have some level of recovery in your life. Um, and that's just natural. Like I said, here I am. Um, it's, it's me and I've, I'm, I'm me, you know, a lot of people, and it's so funny because I don't necessarily know what that means, but I know a lot of people feel like, oh, well, you are Mercy Farrell. And I promise y'all, sometimes I listen to people saying that I'm like, yeah, you have no idea what that actually means or what that all entails. But, you know, here I am, you know, people who see me every week, practically um, preaching in someone's pulpit, people follow me for all types of inspiration. But the reality is that I went through a season and that this is not my first one and certainly won't be my last one. But I, too, go through seasons where I have to plant my foot to find recovery. And so, you know, for the person who's listening today, who's who feels like they're behind the ball or they're not you know, in the place where they should be, or like you are just an epic failure. You're not, first of all, because everybody, and I do mean everybody from celebrity to pastor, to bishop, to apostle, to just your your average, you know, next door neighbor that you may never know their name goes through something that you're going to need recovery from. Um, but the thing that I find most pressing to understand is not just that it is natural for you to experience some type of hit in life, but to understand the um, areas of trauma that we need healing from, because those areas encompass so many things that I think we let slip under the radar, um, you know, quite often. Number one, you know, I think we have to compartmentalize the things that we need trauma from, or I'm sorry, we need recovery from so that we can understand how to begin the process of recovery and healing and wholeness, you know, because we can't bunch everything together. Right. So there are times when I look at people who come to me who need, you know, help conversation, mentor and advice. And the way that they look at their lives is just everything kind of bunched into one bag. When in all actuality, when you take the time to stop and compartmentalize things in your life, that creates a platform for you to be able to understand the process of healing that you may need to go through. Um, some of those areas, number one, would be the woundings that we feel or that we encounter from other people, family and friends. I'm going to put this one first because it is probably one of the most prevalent ones, right? But one of the areas that we don't deal with on top of that is, or the ones rather that we don't compartmentalize or separate out is that once your family or your friends do something that offends you, that hurts you, that that hits you in a place that causes a wound in your life or trauma in your life, sometimes we don't take responsibility for the healing that we must obtain after that. And so every decision we make thereafter, we blame on the initial trauma when in all actuality, I texted this out yesterday to my community. And if you're not texting me, you should totally text me right now, 443-232-9600, that the only thing standing between you and deliverance is decision. A lot of times we fail to recognize that deliverance from a lot of things are based on our decisions. And the trauma that people um, inflict in your life does not give you license to be reckless with the remainder of your life. And 
the possibility of your healing. So when we look at it, <clears throat> we have to compartmentalize out um, the areas in which we can begin healing in, right? So we separate them so that we don't consider the path to healing the same for everything because it's not, right? The wounds that other people inflict on us require one track of healing, whereas the wounds that we inflict upon ourselves require another track of healing, right? And then there are things that happen to us that we didn't see coming, right? Those traumas that were surprising or sneakily done or shocking or something or someone we put our trust in a lot of times those things come from like relationships uh, whether it be friendships or even intimate relationships um i've seen a lot of specifically women who find themselves and this is not to exclude the brothers so i ain't saying that brothers don't go through nothing that is not what i'm saying but i am saying that a lot of times women are often lost in being taken advantage of from relationships um and putting their trust in people that they were intimate with or became intimate with and didn't see different things coming like manipulation and scheming and scamming and cheating and all these different things, right? So all three of these areas make up three different tracks of healing that we must learn to obtain as individuals. So back to the first one, wounding from um, family and friends. I believe that when we start to separate this out, right, <clears throat> we acknowledge a couple of things in being able to obtain a healthy mindset or a wholeness mindset um, when we start to look at a couple things, right? You are often going to be thrown for a loop when it comes to your those who are closest to you. Now, you know, some of these situations um, require forgiveness. Some of these situations require um, wholeness. Some of these situations, specifically family, require that we find a healing that may require us to maintain relationship with people because I mean some of the trauma that happened in my life happened you know even from parents who didn't understand at the time what they were going through and I had to realize that that is something that I've had to learn how to live with right and again this is no indictment against my mother or my father I love them both equally right but my father has been a pastor for 50 years this year I am 33 um, which means that my father would have been at the time that he started pastoring. I'm sorry, at the time that I was born, my father would have been pastoring for only 17 years. Pastoring is a journey. Number one, um, he often talks about how he was never pa uh, pastored or never necessarily mentored in a pa in a pastorship. My father, back in the day, this is how it works in a Baptist church. He went from being a deacon to being a pastor. Um, and that was really, really interesting for him, right? Because he had been pastored, but, you know, being a pastor is just a different situation. And you go from being a deacon literally one day to saying, oh, you're the pastor of this church the next day. That is like a big thing. So now at this point, you have to begin to study to perfect your craft. You have to understand the life lessons that comes with pastoring people. And then I was the last of his children. He had um, my sister and my brother by this time and a, a stepdaughter by my mom. Um, they were both married before they married each other. So now we have to think about history here, right? Um, when um, by the time I came along, he's 17 years into figuring out how to be a pastor now 50 years later I could say yeah like you got it you figured it out right but 17 years in when you really think about it and growing a church is really not that long and then on top of that you know back in the day that I was born my church was like this 
big thing in Baltimore. I mean, my dad was one of the, and still is one of the fathers of Baltimore city. You know, he, um, bought in and bought up, you know, and raised up people like the Reverend Dr. Jamal Harrison Bryant, who used to come and do our youth days when I was younger, or Dr. Jasmine Scarlark, who used to come and preach at my church when I was younger and actually like stay at my home. And my mother was frying her fish and stuff like that. Like this is all stuff from my childhood that a lot of people don't know. Um, and even like, you know, um, Dr. William Curtis, who was one of the most theological minds of our time, um, pastor or uh, at the time, Reverend Felicia Long, who was a um, a major, major force out of, um, she was from Baltimore, but at the time she was serving at Greater Allen, where I serve now. Um, and if you're familiar with her story and her ministry, she passed away when she was, um, when I was much younger. But needless to say, her story and who she is and her ministry was just so huge at that time. But these are the kind of voices that my father was a part of, you know, rearing. So the church was like, was a big deal. It was like, you know, I guess what we would call popping at the time. It was like, you know, successful. And here you are with a, you know, another child. So, you know, at the same time, my father was 41 when I was born. Right. So when you think about it from that perspective, you think about the fact that you have a person who is older in age. And by the time I get to a place where I'm like in high school and things like that, you know, my father has to give so much time to being a pastor. Right. And he has to learn how to balance the family dynamic. Right. And and I don't think that that was a problem um, for him. And I wouldn't say that it was something that greatly affected me. But there were times in my life where I didn't understand the dynamic of that. And that's another thing. I was a child. So now I'm having to learn how to understand the dynamic of having a pastor who or a father who is also a pastor who has to tend to both family and people, right? So I'm saying that to acknowledge that there were certain things that maybe I thought at the time were that I wanted or that I needed. You know, my dad was present for as much as he could be. My mom was a, a very much so working um, woman, you know, six-figure job down in D.C. every single day, made sure that I had everything I need, but she was always in D.C., right? And at the time, being younger, I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, my mom is not at my track meets and my mom is not here there in the third. And at that time, as a teenager, you're like, you want to see these things because you have other friends whose parents are there. And you so you grow up with this complex feeling like, oh, she always was working or my dad was always pastoring. My dad came to a few of my track meets. You know, he tried to make it work. But I'm saying that to say. I had to consider their journey. I had to consider their process. I had to consider their age. I had to consider their careers because at the end of the day, everybody is going through something, right? Whether it's learning how to be a good parent, learning how to balance a job and a ministry, learning how to whatever. Like, I mean, I'm I'm in, in the process of parenting, right? And, and it's a process that I didn't necessarily think I was going to be interested in, but here I am. I'm 33 years old. I've never been married, but here I am mothering a child who needed to be mothered. And it's something that I'm learning. I don't always get it right. My friends laugh at me all the time. They're like, Marissa, you protect him from too much. And I had to learn on my own to stop always intervening with him because I had to let him kind of learn how to bump his head sometimes because that's the only way he learns how to get it. But it's something that I had to learn because if I always shield him from everything, then I would be that parent that's enabling a child and always trying to coddle a child that needs to understand how to grow naturally. I use this example to say that everyone is going through something, right? So when we start to deal with the traumas that happen from family and friends, sometimes we have to compartmentalize those traumas into the who, what, when, where's, and why's. 
how did a person who inflicted some level of trauma on me and this these are surface level traumas like I'm talking about you know surface level stuff like feeling like there was some absence in certain areas or perspectives or there are things that I wish that I had done with my mother as a teenager that I didn't do you know but those things grow with you now when we start talking about deeper things like you know molestation and abuse and all these types of things um rejection and abandonment and stuff like that these traumas are much much deeper but they still require you to look at the who, what, when, where, why to find out as much as you can about that time or to think back, to really go back and think, well, what was my family member? Could have been my grandmother, my my godmother, my aunt, my whoever it was that, that did this to you, did whatever um, offense you had going through at that time. Were they dealing with job loss? Were they dealing with um, having been the victim of this themselves? You know, was what was my mother abandoned? Was my mother, you know, used to having a parent that was fully present in their lives? Was my mother or father used to having parents that allow open conversations? So there are things that I felt like I never was able to say to my parents, quote unquote, but were they in a home that fostered that kind of understanding? Probably not, specifically in my case, because my dad was born in the early 19 uh my dad was born in 41 you know and his his parents came from a very traditional household and you know their rules were very traditional they weren't dealing with like the 2022 manifestation of things and problems that people were dealing with or even at that time that I was in high school 2007 manifestation of problems and so there were traditions that were different for us you know that that they never experienced that they had to learn long and short of it is you have to be able to consider the who, what, when, where, why. And you have to be able to consider the traumas that other people endure. That is the only way to stop generational curses, to really put a halt on the fact that what happened to my forefathers, my ancestors, my mothers, my fathers will not happen with me, will not happen with my children, will not happen with my lineage or anyone of, you know, that's connected to me because I'm able to identify the things that cause you know, delay or distraction or just hurt in our lives. But when it comes to recovering, that's the first place, right? Because you have to acknowledge that the persons who may have done things to you that you live with, that maybe they don't even know that you live with, or, and again, these are not always just the deep traumas. These are just some of the surface level things that maybe you never discussed. And maybe that guide the way that you think, that guide the way that you move and guide the way that you love and the way that you trust, right? You have to be able to consider these things because it leads you and lends you to the understanding that perhaps these things were not intentional, right? Maybe some of these things happen by default or by just understanding or by natural course of of presence and, and, and the way that... um our parents were were raised and reared. Now, when you start to deal with things like, you know, deeper leveled trauma, you also have to consider those things because you have to consider that you may never get an apology from the people who traumatized you. Um, so when you start to compartmentalize them, you start to gain an understanding not for what happened, but for the fact that it happened, and number one, that it wasn't your fault, and number two, that while there's a responsibility that, that lies on um, predators and people who do harm in that manner, I can begin the process of recovery by first understanding or trying to gain an understanding that 
some things happen in life that I cannot control or that at the time maybe I couldn't control. You know, being a victim of something sometimes specifically can't control whether, you know, it depends on age and stage in life and vulnerability and things of that nature. But it begins with trying to wrap your mind around the traumas that you have. Um, First being, again, family and friends. That's a hard one. Always is a hard one because it is the hardest one to recover from. Um, But again, back to the surface level things, you know, because I don't necessarily think, and I'm I'm nobody psychologist, be very clear. This is a podcast, guys. I'm not trying to at all tell people how to reason with deep level trauma, right? I am telling you that recovery begins with acknowledging that I may never get an apology for the person who harmed me. And so it begins with a self-reflection and a self-awareness and trying to gain an understanding for oneself of how to be whole, right? But John 13, 34 is a scripture that tells us this, a new commandment I give to you, to love one another just as I have loved you and you also are love to love one another. You know, when you look at it from that perspective, we have all done something in our lives that we needed forgiveness from. And maybe what you needed forgiveness from was not as deep as what other people have done to you. But even God tells us to consider those things in the manner in which I have forgiven you and loved you. You know, when you begin to love people, then you have to think about it from the perspective of the scripture um, that is found in Corinthians about about love and what that means. Because when you really, really love, according to the biblical version of love, love is patient. Love is kind. This is 1 Corinthians 13. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. Keeps no record of wrongs. Keeps no record of wrongs. Keeps no record of wrongs. That's not necessarily saying that I have to excuse or condone the offense that you've given. Because again, some of it is deep-seated. Some of it is surface level. But it is saying that I do not hold my mind to the record of what a person has done to me or what went wrong in my life love does not delight in evil but rejoices in truth always protects always trusts always hopes always perseveres it never fails right and so when you start to look at love from that perspective when God tells us I command you to love others as I have loved you you think about the fact that there are some offenses that I have really made against God and not just against God but against other people have you ever been that person that like zapped out on somebody because you were feeling some type of way about something that had nothing to do with them like I have definitely been on both ends of that I've been on the receiving end of that where I have just like zapped out on somebody because I was feeling type of way about something um that had nothing to do with them um I had zapped out on people that had I felt some type of way about everything that had to do with them and I never told them what I was feeling but I just zapped out because I was sitting on something that they should have known or they should have recognized but then I've also been the person who received the lashing out of people who were dealing with things and traumas that were bigger than them right um I was watching the other day um the Ayanla Fix My Life episode with the young lady Kamaya Mobley, who was kidnapped at birth. She was still in a, you know, close knit relationship with the woman who kidnapped her because this woman raised her and raised her well. And she couldn't just break that bond. And she was zapping out on um, Ayanla because Ayanla was trying to keep her in this, you know, house or whatever at the time. But, you know, she called Ayanla everything from, you know, 
this to a, to not to be in a child of God, like everything that she could have <laughs> really could have thrown at her. And Ayala never budged and never moved. She was receiving the backlash from something that she had nothing to do with. That was not a trauma or a response even that Ayala deserved as someone who she was just meeting for the first time. It was traumas that she was carrying, you know, that were, you know, coming out in different ways. So I've been on both sides of that. And that happens more often than not. And it can be long-term based on the levels of trauma that other people endure. So when you start to start, when you start to deal with the road to recovery, you have to first begin with compartmentalizing the types of trauma so that you can deal with the type of healing and the path to healing that you need or require for yourself, you know, because there's the healing from the wounding of family and friends. But then we started talking about the other, um, level that we often need healing from and that is the the fall the thing that I talk about in my um opening of the podcast that I didn't see that coming experience that that thing where I put my trust and my faith in someone and I gave them you know a version of myself a whole you know a part of me or you know whatever the case may be and all of a sudden out of nowhere this became a manipulation um based relationship it became an abusive type relationship it became um uh infidelity and and you know lying cheat all types of stuff that happens specifically and I'm talking a lot of times these things come from intimate relationships, sometimes just from friends who just backstab us and stuff just goes wrong. Can I necessarily say, um, you know, that these people do this stuff out of trauma? No, but sometimes they do it out of learned behavior. Again, when we compartmentalize the areas that we need wholeness and recovery in, we can compartmentalize the path to healing. With the wounds that happen from our family, we have to consider that everyone is going through something and what the varying levels of trauma are that move and that motivate and move people, I'm sorry, to be who they are. When we start talking about falling and living in the I didn't see that coming experience, we have to kind of start wondering about learned behavior. You know, especially when it comes down to friendships and intimate relationships, there are a lot of things that we don't know about people's past when we meet them. When we find them and they find us, we don't stop to necessarily consider well, what is the learned pattern of your life? What kind of relationships have you seen? What were the examples of friendships in your life? Who backstabbed you? Why is this the behavior that you know? Um, and when we start to deal with that, we start to fix our minds on the fact that, again, I didn't do anything to deserve this. This was not necessarily my fault. And sometimes it's not even their fault. It's just all that they know. And again, that doesn't necessarily mean that you condone it. That doesn't mean that you make an excuse for it. What that means is I understand what happened enough to begin to find recovery and stop living in the darkness of what happened to me or the pain of what happened to me, right? But the one that we don't deal with a lot, and this is the one that I kind of want to hone in on today in the last couple of you know, 10, 15 minutes, I'm going to be on here, is the one from the self-inflicted wounds from the nature of our own decisions. Like, that is the big one because a lot of times we ignore what we do to ourselves. Like, we tend to act like 
this was not me. This had nothing to do with me. I, you know, had no control over that. But the reality is there are some wounds that we have that are just the results of our own decisions, our own idiosyncrasies, our own desires, our own frailties, and our own failures. And those are the ones that we often don't want to take responsible for, specifically for recovery, healing, wholeness, and things of that nature. Because a lot of times we're busy casting the blame for how we got to that place on other people. But the two that I mentioned before, the wounds that we have from family and even the wounds from I didn't see that coming experiences from learned behavior, we cannot make excuses for for why we choose to not walk in deliverance. Because as I said earlier, deliverance begins with a decision. It's about me making up in my mind that this is not how I'm going to live. This is not the trauma that I'm going to live in. Because at the end of the day, if I continue to live in this kind of trauma, then all I'm doing is hurting those around me, hurt people, hurt people. I'm walking around and I'm inflicting that trauma upon other people. And God forbid I mess around, have a child already, am going to have a child in the future, am going to have a relationship in the future. And now I've inflicted all of that learned behavior, all of that trauma onto the people that I want to love or that I want to give better to until we stop and acknowledge where we are and, you know, how we need to recover, we're going to find ourselves living in the reality that sometimes we become the very people and the very things that we, you know, like the least or you know don't like at all um and that's the things that happen to us so when it comes down to that part i think that the biggest step is you know to stop making excuses to stop trying to dismiss your trauma for stop trying to to stop trying to um portray your trauma as if um you don't have to take responsibility of it or that you don't have to take ownership of it because the reality is that you do have to take ownership of the things that you um, go through and the decisions that you make, right? And that's all inclusive. That is dealing with um, everything from I chose to be with a person that I saw all the red flags for and I just didn't want to let that go or I decided to give myself physically to a person who I knew was incapable of treating me with the respect that I know that I deserve as a woman, as a as a jewel, as a gem. I, I saw, you know, the way that they talked about their other friends and I chose to engage them and allow them to be my friend anyway, even though I already knew what they were about. Um, those are the decisions that we make, or I just was reckless. Like I just chose to live recklessly. I chose to allow myself to engage in behaviors and practices that, um, I should have decided otherwise concerning because at the end of the day, I recognize that I am responsible for myself and most of all, I am responsible for my healing and I'm responsible for my wholeness. But these are the things that we don't like to talk about. You know, we don't like to kind of put the responsibility of who we are and where we are and what we do onto ourselves when in all actuality, we owe ourselves more to be honest with ourselves and to say, hey, some of this you could have avoided if you would have just, number one, been honest with yourself, recognized where you were, you know what I'm saying? And on top of that, be clear about what it is that you needed in order to become your best self. If I would have stopped a long time ago to deal with some of the traumas, then 
perhaps I wouldn't find myself in some of these places. So excuse making has to go. You know, we cannot be those who constantly make excuses for why we aren't where we think we should be or why we don't have what we think we should have or why we didn't do what we should have done, especially when a lot of us saw the signs and ignored them anyway. Um, So when you start talking about recovery and when you start talking about you know, healing and wholeness, you have to deal with, you know, acknowledging the definition of recovery, what recovery actually is. And I think that in order to deal with that, um, you have to find yourself uh, acknowledging that that word in its fullness and in its entirety. Recovery, you know, is a very real thing for the soul. Be, be very clear. It's a very real thing for the the soul, the entire soul. It's not just for, you know, like, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, like surgeries and things like that, right? Because we look at that word. But, but you know, we want to get to wholeness without ha- having go through the process of recovery. But recovery actually requires us to acknowledge um, the definition in its entirety. And the definition of recovery is um, to return to a normal state of, um, to return to a normal state of, of um, mind, of health, and even of strength. Um, and you do that through the process, uh, which is the second part of this definition through the process of regaining. All right. And when you talk about regaining, you're talking about re recovering or reobtaining or realigning. And and that's what, what this means. So when we look at that, um, Regaining is a uh, participle, which is the simply the ing. I remember, I remember when I was like a young preacher, and I used to think this was like such a huge revelation. It's the ing on the end of of, of anything, um, and that's that's where we all are. Most of us in our lives, we are we are inging, right? We are figuring out what it means to be in the process of, and that's, that's what, uh, participles do. They, they have the ing on them to indicate or to signify that I am in the process of something. Regaining means I have not yet regained. Um, it means that I am in the process of figuring out how to do it. And a lot of us are, you know, living participles. We are growing. We are learning. We are processing. We are healing. We are figuring it out. We are not yet there, right? But that is what recovery is. It's not necessarily faking that I have it all together. It's acknowledging that there is a process to wholeness and Without making excuses, every single day I'm getting up and I'm trying, there we go with ING again, something that will lead to my healing and my wholeness. You have to be able to acknowledge these steps and this process. Another thing that you have to do is be understanding. Become okay with what happened. Become okay with acknowledging that you sometimes cannot change what happened, right? You have to become okay with what happened, um, not condoning what happened, but no longer living every day condemning what happened to you. Because condemnation of any type, whether it be 
for others or condemnation that we inflict on ourselves keeps you tethered to the offense. At some point, we have to accept that we cannot change what happened so that we can gain the healing that we didn't know was possible um, in always carrying an offense, right? And I remember um, dealing with, just a few weeks ago on the podcast, the the pain of self-condemnation. Self-condemnation is the very thing that God came to free you from. There is therefore now no condemnation for them who's in Christ Jesus. Why? Because when we carry self-condemnation, we walk around carrying the offense of what we did. When we carry the offense of what we did, that means it's ever before us. It's always with us. It's living in us. It's breathing in us. It's always, it's constantly set before us. And we are constantly living in the pain and being tethered to the pain of what happened and what we did. It's the same thing with the condemnation that we inflict upon people. When we do not free ourselves from, condemning them every day for what they did we are still carrying it around and that what you carry with you um you know whether it be in your spirit or your soul it controls you that what you carry with you it weighs you down it holds you it has a bond on you it yokes you you know it is that thing that literally moves you to the left or the right because whenever that thing wants to flare up and say hey remember what happened to you remember what you went through remember what took place in your life then you're always going to be reliving what happened you have to become okay with what happened understanding that you cannot change yesterday you can only work for um healing in tomorrow then you have to understand um the responsibility of recovery does not begin with other people the responsibility of recovery begins with you it begins with acknowledging that i want to be whole and then obtaining that wholeness you know because again there may be people who offended you and who hurt you and you're living with that trauma, that rejection, that abandonment, that pain, and they may never apologize to you. And so if you're constantly waiting for them to apologize to you, then you always live within the parameters of their hold on you and their desire for your healing. And they may never acknowledge even that you need healing, that you want healing or that you deserve healing. Healing has to become a thing that we owe ourselves. And today I just want you to understand that you owe it to yourself to be whole and to be healed and to allow yourself to be free from the offense of the things that happened to you. I could totally go on about this for a whole nother 30 minutes, but I've been on here long enough. And so I may continue this in a part two um, after I have my guest on um, next week, but we'll deal with it again. Um, we'll pick this back up. I hope that there's something that's been said today that has touched you. And before I leave, I want to just pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to tell you thank you for the individual that's listening to this podcast who um, has heard this word today and this message of healing and hope. And they are already making up in their minds that wholeness is what they want. Wholeness is that is what you want for them. And wholeness is their identity that you have called us to be whole, that you have created us to have life and that more abundantly, that we don't have to be tethered to the pain of our past and so today I would just want to thank you in advance because I believe right now that you are making us whole that you are causing us and 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 leading us into making decisions that will affect our deliverance and our direction our momentum father and even our our pace in life that you are realigning us with healing father and that you are causing us to even find healing from the deeply rooted traumatic places and even the surface trauma that you are giving us a a new plan and a new path and that you are showing your hand in our lives as being mighty and strong. So thank you now for um, the healing that we are already walking in. Thank you for giving us guidance and direction and wisdom as we are um, ing in this life. And God, I just want to tell you, thank you for the grace that you've given us to continue to walk this journey and that you have given us to allow you to walk with us as we run this race. So we love you. We praise you. We give you glory, honor, and praise. It's in Jesus name that I pray. Amen. 
Amen. And amen. Thank you guys again for tuning into this podcast. I hope that it touched you in some way, shape, or form. And if it did, do me a favor, drop a review below so that we can continue to grow and continue to utilize this platform to bless other people. If you guys were blessed today, do me a favor, share a soundbite, share an excerpt, share your favorite um, point from today's lesson and today's podcast, today's conversation. And um, we'll talk again soon. All right. Love you guys. I'm Audie. Until next week, do me a favor and start something new. Not tomorrow, not next week, but do me a favor and start it right now. I'm out. <laughs>